We talked last week about um, the Passover feast last week and how that feast represents the death of Christ. And there's a couple more feasts that I think are important when we, when we look at verse 1 here in chapter 2 in terms of uh, when uh, Luke uses the term when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So let me read just verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And like I said, we talked about Passover, the Passover feast last week being how that represents the death of Christ. And back in Leviticus chapter 23, turn back here and read a couple verses, the next feast where we can see Christ symbolized, and I mean we can see Christ symbolized in a lot of different places, but just kind of take what I'm saying with a little bit of, little bit of space. Um, but in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 and 10, it speaks of the first fruits, the feast of the first fruits, and it says, uh, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. So when we think about this, what they were doing is the, the, the feast of the, of the first fruits, this feast was, it was instituted by God, and of course we know that, but it was for the people to give to him the first of the harvest or the first of the crops. And if you read a little bit on it, it actually said they didn't even eat. You know, I just, I just think, you know, how, how blessed we are. I mean, how blessed we are. I mean, I mean, David touched on it when he prayed, but how blessed we are to be part of the family of God this morning. I'm telling you, that, to understand that we're saved by his grace and that we are saved. But they would say, that from what I read, that they were not even to eat any of that first crop until this first fruit was given to the Lord, was, was offered to him. That was the first thing. It was, to be on, it was to be given to him first. So they were dedicating, by doing that, they were dedicating the entire harvest to the Lord because they gave him the first and they were trusting in him to continue to provide for them is what they were doing. They were, you know, that they were, he was going to provide the rest of the, of the feast, of the harvest. And the first fruits, when you think about that, was given. They were the earnest or the pledge of the full harvest that was going to come. And there's, you can just think about that for a little bit. So, but in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, turn back here, read one verse. We're told that Christ is the first fruits, or he is the first fruit, the first one. Let me find my spot here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, yeah, verse 20. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So, when we think about that, the feast of the first fruits represents the resurrection of Christ. I mean, that's really what it symbolizes. And just like the, the Passover symbolized his death, the, first, the feast of first fruits symbolizes his resurrection. And his resurrection is the earnest or the pledge of future resurrections to come. And I'm talking about us as in the body of Christ, the future, the future to come. And Jesus even tells us in John... I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit this morning, but kind of bear with me. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, he says, 
in verses 25 and 26, he says that Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I believe that this morning. I can tell you that. I believe that this morning. I believe that the day that, that I knelt at an altar and asked Christ to come into my heart and save me, I believe that he, I come to believe that he is the resurrection. He is the life. And even in back in chapter, you go back a few pages in John to chapter 5, I like this verse because Jesus again told them, and he tells us in chapter 5, let me find it, Verse 26, and this is Jesus speaking, and he says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And because we have him, because he's in us, we have life this morning. I tell you, I'll be happy about that this morning. I tell you what, I mean, we've got not just life right now, but we've got life that's from now on. And I mean, that's something to, to praise him for this morning, I tell you. Only he can do that. Only he can do that. But... So you say, what are you, what are you talking about all this stuff in terms of, um, of Acts chapter 2, verse 1? Because, again, when it says here, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Luke's telling us that for a reason. And so then we come to the Feast of Pentecost. That's the next one we're going to talk about. And here, in the Feast of Pentecost, I believe we can see the product, I believe, if I can put it that way, the product of the completed work of Christ. I believe we can see that. And you say, well, how is that? Well, because, because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we see the will of God, the Father, completed so that mankind is given the opportunity to have a personal relationship with Almighty God. I mean, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. And back to Leviticus chapter 23 again. I should have kept my spot, but it didn't. If you want to read these sometime, it's, I think it's most of them are in Leviticus 23, but I think Deuteronomy 16, I think too, if I'm remembering right, is they're in there as well. But anyway, in chapter 23, Leviticus, verse 15, starting in verse 15, talks about Pentecost, and it says, And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. And listen to what it says here in verse 17. Ye shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenths deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. And so on Pentecost, there was to be a meal offering to the Lord. Okay? I mean, not just one, probably numerous ones, but... Y'all can go back and read and study a little bit if you, if you want to check me up. But, but this offering, this meal offering, it was to be presented in two loaves of fine flour baked with leaven. And maybe some of y'all know where I'm going with this. But, and I've heard this before, but the loaves depict the beginning and the origin of the church. Okay, And when, when Luke, again, when Luke tells us here in, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, he's not talking about a... A time on the clock. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a time of the day or, or whatever. He's talking about when it was fully come, when, when it was time for us to understand why God originated this, the full reason. That's why he says that. That's what he's telling us here. And 
the church here, the church or the body of Christ is composed of sinners. Okay, we're saved, but we're still sinners. What's that old? I think the cathedrals used to sing a song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, I can relate to that, you know, I can relate to that this morning. But we know that leaven typifies what? Sin. So the church, like I said, is composed of sinners who are saved by the grace of God. And I say glory, because if he wouldn't have had any grace, I wouldn't be saved this morning, and I wouldn't have any hope this morning. So from the, so from the very beginning, Pentecost spoke of the coming of the Holy Spirit. In the, and listen to what, this. I got this from J. Vernon McGee, okay? I, I can't come up with all this stuff on my own. I think you all probably understand that, so... He says, Pentecost spoke of the coming of the Holy Spirit in the very particular ministry of calling a people out of this world to form the body of Christ, which is the church. And that's when it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that's really what that means. It was All of this was working towards all these feasts. For generations, the nation of Israel had been, they'd been commemorating these feasts and particip- participating in them. But it was all coming towards... There was a meaning behind that. Like we said last week, it wasn't just something for them to go through. There was a reason for it. And so um, I like what J. Vernon McGee said. And he said, five minutes before the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, there was no church. But five minutes after the Holy Spirit came, there was a church. I liked, I liked, I just kind of liked that. But so just like the town of Bethlehem, is distinctly tied to the birth of Christ, the day of Pentecost is distinctly tied to the coming of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit became incarnate on the day of Pentecost. You ever think about that? We talk about Christ becoming incarnate when he, when he was born and came to this earth as our Savior. But I never really thought about the Holy Spirit becoming incarnate on the day of Pentecost, but that's really what it is. I mean, he, the Holy Spirit came into the body of those believers that day and became incarnate because he became to live within those believers that day. So, um, so he began to dwell within the believers on that day and to identify with Christ as his body here on this earth. I mean, that's what, that's what we are, that's what we're here this morning. Why do we get up and come to church on Sunday morning? To identify ourselves with, the, with Jesus Christ, right? I mean, that's why we're here, to honor him, to worship him, to be associated, to be identified with him. I mean, we don't get up and, well, anyway, let it go. Um, but that's why we, I mean, seriously, that's why we come. It's for us because we're, we identify ourselves with him, because we love him, because he's allowed us to be part of his family. I mean, and for that reason, we should have a desire to want to come to his house. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, let me pull it back here a couple of pages and read you a verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one spirit. I mean, there's only one way into this thing, and that's through the Holy Spirit that's brought when we accept Christ as our Savior. I mean, that's how, we, that's how all this happens. That's the only way it happens. So, like I said before, Israel had been celebrating Pentecost for generations. But on this day, the purpose 
for which it was originally given was fulfilled. So I don't know if anybody else has a comment on it. So, or if you disagree with me, I mean, now's the time to speak up. So, but no, hearing none, we'll move on then. So, all right. Okay. So back in Acts chapter two, I'm going to read verses two and three. I hope that hope we got maybe I don't know some of that we probably all had heard before but I just think it's interesting when we really stop and just ponder for a little bit there is purpose behind everything that God does I mean you know from the beginning of this book to the end there's a purpose for everything in here there's a reason and from the beginning of our lives until we die there's a purpose for everything that's going on in our life you know we may not we may not understand it all, but there's a purpose. He's got a purpose. And uh, so, verse 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a, of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. So I just want to kind of talk a little bit about verses 2 and 3 for a little bit maybe this morning. So, when, when God created man, us, mankind, he created mankind in a way that to receive, okay, physical information in two ways, okay? And give me a little bit of leeway here, but pretty much this captures it all. Two ways. We either see or we either hear, right? That's the two ways. That's how we... Stuff comes in, right, either through our eyes or through our ears. That's how we receive information, or physical information anyway. So the eyes by seeing and the ears by hearing. And when we look at verse 2, it says, and suddenly. You know, I thought about how the apostles and the disciples had been praying. They were waiting on, on the Holy Spirit to come. You know, and when God's time came and it had been reached, that's when the Holy Spirit came. You know, and I think, you know, so many times maybe we, we, we pray about things and we wonder, you know, Lord, what are we doing or what's going on? We don't know. We don't understand. But you know what? No matter what it is, we keep praying. Whenever his time is filled, that's when he's going to give a, an answer. It's, when he, it's on his time, not on ours. And, and I thought how here, same thing. But then when it was time... Well, how did it how did it happen? It happened suddenly. You know, isn't that how when he I don't know about you all, but when he does answer a prayer, he doesn't it doesn't you don't have to kind of it doesn't drag out. He doesn't kind of like say, Well, here, let me tell you something about what you've been praying. No, it just normally it just comes right now, does it not? I mean, so same here. And it says it came with great it came suddenly and it came with great power. Like a mighty, like a rushing mighty wind, and I could be wrong, but I think, I think that everybody in Jerusalem heard this. I think they heard this this sound. Okay, I mean I could be wrong. Y'all can, like I said, y'all speak up. But here's the thing: it was not a breeze. It was not a casual wind. Okay, when it says it was a mighty rushing wind, I mean it was something that was. It was the mighty presence and power of Almighty God, okay? Now, what did that sound like? I don't know exactly what it sounded like, but I guarantee you it was something that had force to it, that had power. And, um, 
You know, I thought about how we've all seen, you could see the effects of, of high wind or powerful wind. I mean, even pictures where a tornado comes through someplace and destroys things and the effect of that. You can see that, and, probably, and I'm sure that if we've sat before in high wind storms and things, you can hear it too, and you can see it. But wind like that of a, like of a tornado, I mean, think about that. And I don't know if that's what it was like or not, but the sound of the Holy Spirit that day, maybe it sounded, I don't know, sounded like a tornado. I don't know what it sounded like, okay? But it says it was a mighty rushing wind. I'm guaranteed there was, there was sound to it. There was something there. And... But to me, I thought about this, though. When we think of things like a tornado or bad storms, high wind, normally there's what associated with that. There's normally destruction associated with that. <laughs> I thought, man, there wasn't anything destroyed when this came. There wasn't anything destroyed. There was something created. And I thought how that when the Holy Spirit moves, to my knowledge, I don't believe it ever destroys. I believe the Holy Spirit is always looking to create. And uh, I say glory. I mean, I, that's to me, that's something to praising for. I mean, but it always creates. So they could hear the coming and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, there were, to me, I don't think there was any denying the sound. I don't think, you know, and I think God had a purpose in that too, just like he does with his word. I think he has a purpose that people have no excuse. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't think anybody had an excuse on that day of Pentecost that was there. Sure, on down through here, we're going to hear, see a comment that's, that's in our Bible about, of course, there's scoffers. There's always those going to be doubters or whatever around, no matter what. I mean, somebody, I mean, something could smack them right in the face, and some people would say, I didn't feel anything. I mean, so anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, let me get back on track. I'm sorry. Um, so the Holy Spirit never destroys, I don't believe. It always creates, and, and again... There was no denying, I don't think, this powerful sound. So that was, that was coming through the ear, right? That was coming through the ear. Well, then in verse 3 it says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. I found my spot. Um, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. So just a quick comment. I'm not saying it was a wind in verse 2 because it says it was like a mighty rushing wind, but it was a force, right? And just like it says here in verse 3, like as a fire. It wasn't naturally actually fire, but it had the appearance, I believe, of fire. Um, so here, and then there appeared unto them. That's what it says here, there appeared unto them. So those present that day, they could visually see the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you say, what did it look like? I don't know. The Bible right here tells us it appeared as like fire. I don't know what it, exactly what it looked like. I don't know. But it was visual. It was visual. And they said they saw parted or divided tongues that looked like fire. That's what the Bible says, which was the Holy Spirit, I believe, resting upon each of them where it was. It was resting upon them. So it was not fire. Let me say it again. But it looked like fire because that's what the Bible says. Um, and if you think about what, what we're told here, Matthew records the words of John the Baptist in Matthew 3.11. Let me flip back here and read you this. It says, I ran out of bookmarks. I don't have that many, so I, have to, I can't save every page. Sorry. Um, Matthew 3.11 says this. He's talking about John the Baptist, or John is speaking, and he says, I indeed baptize you with water, 
unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now here, I believe, could be fire he's talking about, and with fire he's talking about judgment. But initially, what I'm talking about here is he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. I mean, he was... He was, telling, he was telling folks back here in Matthew long before the day of Pentecost that it, I'm sorry, it was going to happen. I'll just put it that way, that it was going to happen. So, maybe, maybe, maybe. But one thing that I'll just, I'll just mention is one thing that it's not is, you know, fire also represents judgment. So I think there's two different things. I mean, to me, this, this fire represents in this case is, is the Holy Ghost. I mean, he says, he's telling us right here that's, that's what's coming in when there's as fire. So fire can kind of mean, and Josh, you can chime in here if I say something wrong, but to me it can mean two different, symbolize two different things. The Holy Ghost, but also if you go back to Revelation, fire represents judgment. So certainly here it wasn't representing judgment. So No, no, no. To me it was representing, again, it's representing life, I think. So, right, right. That's, that's why I think it's key. That's why it says it's like as a fire. I think that's for us to understand. They're trying to give us a, something in our mind to try to symbolize what it looked like, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, so baptism, what I was trying to get at, baptism with the Holy Ghost. That's what, I mean, that's really what we're talking about here is baptism with the Holy Ghost. And, you, and I'm not talking about water baptism. I'm talking about baptism with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the day that, the night that I knelt in an altar and I asked Christ into my heart, I was baptized into the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came into me because I asked Christ to save me. That's what we're talking about here. So just to make sure we're all on the same page. So this is what, and you think about this, this is what those people witnessed on this particular Pentecost day over 2,000 years ago. I mean, there was, I don't know how many people were there, but they all witnessed this, you know? And I mean, just like Josh said, I mean, I think sometimes we read, maybe it's just me, but how many times... I've read these, at least these three or four verses here and just read them and said, man, that was the beginning of the church right there. But not really giving thought to what really happened that day. I mean, what really happened, the force, the, 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 the display of God's power. To me, that's what he's trying to get to us here, the display of God's power. It's what Luke's trying to get us to understand. It was put on display for people that day. So... Um, so this baptism of the Holy Spirit is what brings us, like I said, individually into the body of Christ. And it's an individual thing, it's a personal thing, we all know that. But into the family of God of whom Christ is the risen head of the family. And again, I say glory. Christ is, he's our heavenly father. I mean, is that not something to be happy about this morning? We're part of God's family this morning. Only because of his desire to have us to be part of his family. But... On this particular Pentecost day, the presence of the Holy Spirit was visible and it was heard clearly. Okay, and we've already talked about that. But let me just kind of share something with you. I kind of got happy here a little bit, but I'm glad to report to you this morning that the Holy Spirit is present with his people today. The Holy Spirit never has left, okay? And if, we're, if you're saved this morning, the Holy Spirit's with us, okay? And he's with each and every one of us individually and personally. And for those of us that profess Christ as our Savior, the presence of the Holy Spirit should be evident in us. Okay, and, and I'm going somewhere with this. So there was power 
in the presence of the Holy Spirit on that particular Pentecost day. I mean, it was visible. Okay, I've already said it. But um, the, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit hadn't lost any power today. Holy Spirit still just got just as much power today as what the Holy Spirit had on the day of Pentecost. Okay? So his saving power, his power to baptize willing souls into the family of God, that power has not diminished this morning. And the convicting power of the Holy Spirit today is just as powerful, just as, powerful as it was back on the day of Pentecost. I guarantee you there was folks there probably that were lost. I don't know that for a fact. The Bible doesn't tell us. But you'd have to think, surely, seeing that, there were people there that weren't believers, and I would dare say that they come to believe after that. And, of course, after Peter begins to preach, I haven't got that far, but it says, what, there was how many, 5,000? I don't maybe I'm confusing my numbers. But anyway, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Amen, amen. And, I mean, Thelma, you know, when we sit at home and we're by ourselves, and sometimes when his spirit comes on us, I can't get out. I can't try to, t- I can't stand here and tell y'all what it's like because sometimes I just sit and, and the tears just roll and, and, and I just praise him. I mean, because, and we've all been there. That's the whole, that's the power of God. That's the presence of God. And I mean, we're blessed. I mean, you know, I just, as I studied this this past week, I just thought, you know, <laughs> I'm not worthy. And I know we all say that, but I mean honestly. But by his grace, by his grace, where would we be this morning? I mean, I don't want to think about it, but I tell you what, he loves us. And man, he ain't never going to leave us. I like that. I like that. I mean, through the, whether we're in the valley, whether we're on the mountain, or whether we're somewhere in between, he's right there with us. He, don't, he ain't never going to leave us. And uh, that's, something we can, that's something we can rely on this morning. I was going to say something, but I think I'll probably best I don't, so... Maybe I'll just quit right there, so it's about time. We'll call it quits there, so...